never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that went to C2E2 for you if you couldn't go um so we're bringing the con to you um no fan left behind my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter how are shazam. you shazam shazam yeah <laughs> oh um you and i spent the weekend at uh c2e2 in chicago um i had a blast um i yes. don't know about you um yeah i, I was gonna say i'm oh keep going go ahead no, go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm doing great. Um, despite it, I this was such a good con, and I think the post-convention blues has hit me so hard. So I've just been doing my best to just keep those uh, awesome nerdy vibes going from the weekend. But uh, it's definitely you definitely have that post-con onset uh, depression that sets in. So just trying to uh, focus on watching and reading nerdy stuff to kind of stay in that mode. But uh, yeah, I had a blast this weekend. It was awesome. So what's funny about the post con blues is that we go to these things, we get to see some old friends, we get to meet, make some new friends. We get to laugh about some stuff. We get to have like those fun conversations um, that we don't get to have in the real world public. And then it ends and then you're just like, well, I guess I got to wait for next year. But then next year rolls around and you're just like, God, I can't wait to go to the con again. So it's this weird, like religious Mecca that we make every year <laughs> um, for those <laughs> of us true. who go to the cons. Uh, if you've never been to a convention before, I highly recommend going at least once in your life. It's it's a culture. It's a little bit of a culture shock, but it's also like these are my people. This is where I belong. <laughs> um, I think the odd the oddest thing we saw all weekend was the maid cafe um yeah it's it's only odd because i don't live in japan so i don't understand it i guess (laughs) it's not something that i expected to see at c2e2 since um right past c2e2 conventions really focused pretty hard on like your like american like mainstream superhero comics sort of stuff but um it's just a sign of like manga and anime is just killing it right now and i guess bits of that culture has seeped into uh c2e2 and that's awesome to see um i still don't know if i have my head wrapped around the maid cafe or what it is or what the appeal of it is but uh definitely definitely an interesting addition this year if you know what i mean so well what's funny is well i don't know if it's funny but i realized that in a general sense um like anime i feel like anime kind of took over a little bit not that in a bad way um i mean there's a lot of cool like there's just a lot of cool stuff to see in general but i feel like the superhero comic presence was not there the way it usually is but then 
this con seemed a little bit off. It had uh, I didn't walk in the door and was greeted with a massive Marvel, yeah, booth or massive DC booth. The major publishers didn't weren't there, which was okay um, because it was a lot of other fun stuff to do and check out. I just thought it was, that just seemed really odd to me. But you know that's all right. The con has evolved over time, but cons also evolved based on pop culture influence and nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example. I was willing to put money on the table to say the mo- the number one costume we will see all weekend is Wednesday. And I saw three all weekend because <laughs> I was counting. <laughs> I was counting. And like you, I went all three days. You only went the two days, but I was counting the whole time. I only saw three Wednesdays and I thought that was weak. Um, we saw- yeah, I, I saw probably like two and a half. I made the joke that. I saw one one girl who I thought might have been dressed as Wednesday, but it could have just been how she dresses every day. And I really wasn't sure. So <laughs> I'm going to call it two and a half at this point. Right. That's that too. And I figured Wednesday would be the popular costume because it's so easy. It's simple. Uh, it's fairly cheap to put together. But hey, that's all right. Um, the as far as costumes go, we saw a ton of Star Wars, but that's pretty normal because the 501st were out at the con um, doing their normal thing. So lots of stormtroopers. That's kind of like a staple. Um and then the costumes kind of dictated what was going on for the day, um, right? which we're going to get into. Our microphones were there, so we went to some panels. We got some audio for you. This episode, if this is your first time joining us, this is not a normal episode. Usually we talk about what we did for the week and or watched, and then we uh, roll into news and then into a top five list. But we went to a convention and got a lot of content for you guys, so... Uh, We're going to jump kind of into that because it's a lot of info. This episode is going to be kind of lengthy. And then we have to break, because of the amount of audio we got, we have to break the con into two parts. (laughs) So um, enjoy. So you're getting, so you are actually going to get a two-part situation this week. One, you're going to get part one on Monday, like I usually drop an episode. And then you're going to get part two on a bonus Tuesday. So you're getting two days in a row. You're not getting um, rid of us that easily this week. Not at all. So it'll be good. Um, We're just like a turd that won't flush this time. So Yeah, right. So we'll start off this. Uh, Peter and I got into the con. We took a quick lap around the floor and then headed upstairs to the Zachary Levi panel. Uh, Zachary Levi, also um, from Shazam, uh, which is great because he was there to talk a little Shazam. Uh, from Chuck fame. Peter, have you started watching Chuck yet? Because we discovered in the midst of this, you've never seen Chuck. <laughs> no, I haven't watched Chuck yet, but I did finally see Shazam 2. Um, okay. I'll save my in-depth review for uh, next week's episode, but uh, I did finally watch that. So I watched something Zachary Levi in the meantime. So Perfect. Well, I know you yeah. have HBO Max. Chuck is on HBO Max, so get on that. Um what I will say before we go into this panel is this is probably one of the best panels I've ever been to. Yes. Of all the conventions I've gone to, it was so like Zach Levi came out and was like, no bullshit. This is how we're going to do this. Here we go. He kind of took over. There was no moderator. He moderated the thing himself. It was almost like a stand up comic in a way. Like he was just up yeah. there. I'm going to talk to you guys. You're going to talk to me. Let's do this. And it was so energetic and fun and it was great. Um, (laughs) it reminded me a bit of the, uh, evening with Kevin Smith Q and a specials, if anybody's ever seen those, but I actually, actually thought that Zachary Levi was better than Kevin Smith from those as far as like crowd work and improvisation and, uh, all that sort of stuff. Like he 
really impressed me. And I know he's done Broadway and stuff. Like I know he would be good on stage. Like he's a famous professional actor, but I was just blown away. Like how funny he was, how charming he was, how there was moments that really hit you in the feels. And then a couple minutes later, you'd be laughing your head off. And it was just, it was amazing. It really was one of the best, uh, panels I think I've ever attended. So yeah, awesome stuff. Well, we're going to let the panel speak for itself. I will, <laughs> preface, I will preface and say as a warning, because I know I have children that listen to this, um, Zachary Levi does drop a couple F-bombs in the middle of this, and he announces it up front and apologizes up front himself. <laughs> um, so instead of censoring it, I'm just going to let the panel roll for itself. And that's okay, because Peter and I try and avoid the F-bomb, but after listening to Zach, I was like, you know what? It takes it out of context. If I, I don't want to take anything out of context and just let it be what it is. So uh, we won't, you don't have to listen to us when you talk anymore. Um, here's Zachary Levi. Enjoy his panel. We'll see you in a moment. Hi. Uh, how many people out there are Shazam fans? 
gentlemen, how many people out there are Tangled fans? Yeah, yeah. Maisel, Miss Maisel fans out there? Word. I'll go to the chipmunks this week, will <laughs> I ask that question because I, I swear to God, sometimes, like, Chuck is always, like, so near and dear to my heart. And kind of answering your question, sir, like, Chuck is probably the most me I've ever been cast as. I showed up and literally was just being myself, more often than not. Uh, Shazam is a close second. And even though he's a 14-year-old child in the first movie, and you know, he's roughly 17, 18 in the second, I have always been a Peter Pan man-child who loves fun. Also, I'm an actor, and as an actor, we're constantly like being asked to just use our imagination. So it really does kind of keep you young. You know, if you, if you lean into that, you, you can really kind of allow that to keep you in that younger space. And I've just always been that guy anyway. So when it comes to playing Billy Batson, you know, what I tried to do, I tried to, uh, to age him up a little bit in the second movie, you know, because from 14 to 17 is a pretty marked difference in anybody's life, particularly a young boy. And then, um, and then beyond that, you know, just trying to look at, well, what are 17-year-olds, how do they act right now? What do they do? What do they think? And how do they talk? And some of you have 17-year-olds, or you are 17-year-olds, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so, like in the first movie, for example, the floss dance was like all the rage. I was like, well, I'm going to floss, and then that made it in the movie, you know? In uh, the second one, I just tried to embody what I thought a 17-year-old today would kind of like, you know, his attitude and the way he carries himself. Uh, yeah, so that's what I did for that one. Anyway, next, uh, great question. Next question. Hello, I'm Kevin. I'm from Hammond. Y you're Kevin from Hammond? Yes, Hammond, Indiana. Well, excellent. <laughs> Kevin is a player. Woo! Indiana, come on! <laughs> So, I love Chuck, and you're awesome. Thanks, bro. Yeah, so, I have a two-parter. One, how is your quest for your reunion special or reboot of the show going, and when are you gonna get Yvonne to come out here with you? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? Uh, that's why I'm asking. That's why I asked. So, yeah, so listen, guys, I, I swear to you when I say it in other panels and when I say it online, I mean it. I have been trying to make a Chuck movie since before we even finished the show. I was like, well before other people were, were turning their shows into, into movies, I was like, guys, there's no reason. I, I saw the online trajectory. I saw that we were going to be having content streaming nonstop. I was like, there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing this right now. But of course, nobody listened to me then. But... <laughs> Uh, my hope, my goal, and I've had even recent meetings uh, to this effect, is to, it's very difficult to get the whole gang back together for a whole new season. However, and all you Chuck fans, you know this, every episode was basically a mini 80s action movie anyway. So I, I think if they just gave us, you know, a, a, a bit more money and a bit more time, we could easily go make a Chuck movie. And if that works, and then again, whether that's, in theaters or just streaming. I don't know what that would ultimately be, but either way, my goal, my passion is to continue our stories from where we left off with the series, because A, I think it's fertile fucking ground to make really fun content, but B, like a lot of you people out there, I was left a little like, at the end of the show. A little um, not, which is not to say that I don't, I think, I think Chris and Josh and, 
and our writers, I think they actually were attempting to do something really clever, which is if you watch the show all the way to the end and now you have, well, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, um, but and you allow this idea that Chuck is telling Sarah about their past, you go back and rewatch the show as if it's Chuck telling Sarah about the past. So it's kind of a cool device in that regard, but it's still left a lot of folks like, what the heck did I just invest five years into if she forgot everything? Uh, and I don't, and I don't believe that uh, for a second. If, you know, I believe that she remembers whether magically like Morgan believes she did or because I help her to remember and then she remembers stuff, I don't know. But I think we all deserve a movie to say that's in, in fact what happened. So, so that's the goal, and I'll get, a, if we make a movie, and by the way, if it gets to the point where it's an actual crowdfund situation, I will let you guys know on social media, and I will need you to firestorm that across the world, okay? And even if it's not a full crowdfund, I might just go to you guys on social media and say, hey, I'm sitting down with you know su such and such executive at Warner Brothers, I would like to show them that there is an appetite for a Chuck movie out there, I'm gonna need all you guys to tweet them like crazy! And when we do, when we get that movie done, I promise you, we'll do a fun Chuck convention tour. And I'll get him, and I will personally drag him on to the conventions. And Josh Gomez, and Ryan McPartland, and Sarah Lancaster, and our boys from Jester, and anybody else who can come, because you guys, the love that you have given us over all these years is never not felt. Every one of us has felt that, and every one of us has appreciated that. So thank you, appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Yes. Uh, hi, I'm Pearson from Hawkins State, Illinois. And Hello, Pearson. I'm going to ask you a bit of a strange Christmas question. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> anyway, um, imagine, I assume you won't come first, you're sitting at dinner with three of your favorite moles. Who would have the best stories? Uh. <laughs> well, I don't know that that's a twisted question. It's an interesting question. Twisted gets into a whole other area. Um, <laughs> um, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think maybe Eugene Fitzherbert, to be honest. Um, you guys know what's up. Um, Flynn Ryder for the uninitiated. Um, yeah. So listen, Flynn is just got the gift of gab and charm and would constantly be spinning yarns, whether they were true or not. Um, I think Billy would have a, Billy would have actually incredible stories, but he's still kind of a kid, and I don't know that he would be able to tell those stories exactly as charming as Flynn Ryder can. Uh, Chuck would also have incredible stories, but I don't, but Chuck would be more chill about it all. Flynn would be, I think, you know, kind of running the table with all the storytelling. Am I wrong? I think I'm, I think I'm right on that one. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. Nice sweatshirt. How you doing? Anna from Indiana. I love the rhyming in that. Um, I was wondering what it was like to work in She Loves Me. Like, how did Broadway go for it? How many Broadway fans out there? Did anybody uh, see She Loves Me? Did you see it in the theater? <laughs> did it have, just uh, give me a yip if you've actually seen me on stage live on Broadway. Okay, so if you, thank you, I appreciate it. That's not an easy thing to do, by the way. 
to travel all the way to New York and get those tickets that are always way too damn expensive to go watch us uh, on stage. It means a lot to me that you guys have done that. So, she loves me. What was that experience like? Is that what you're asking? It was incredible. I was only, look, I grew up since I was a little kid doing theater. I love theater. I think it's where, if you want to be an actor, go do theater. Go do theater, go do more theater, go do more theater. Don't just be one of these people who's like, you know what, I've never done this acting thing my whole life, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Like, don't do that. Like, actually give a shit about it, and then go do it if you can. Um, so I loved doing theater uh, all through growing up, and I always dreamed about, obviously, doing film and television and stuff, but also doing Broadway. So I did a show called First Date, which was... <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you. Um, that was the first Broadway show I did, and I had only done that show then I got offered She Loves Me. And so in that show, for anybody who uh, is, um, d is unaware, uh, it, it, was a, it was a revival of a show we did for the Roundabout Theater Company, but it was stacked full of like super talented veteran theater people. And I was like this sophomore, <laughs> like, like basically, I, I felt like this, like this, 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 this JV basketball player being pulled up to varsity and being like, don't fuck it up, kid. Like, that's what it felt like uh, in a lot of respects. <clears throat> but it was also so rewarding, so fulfilling. I, I have memories with that entire group of people that will last throughout my lifetime. I was nominated for a Tony Award. I mean, all of these incredible blessings that poured forth from that. And, and um, not for nothing, quite a, quite a large little something is uh, Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino, who are the writer creators of uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and uh, Gilmore Girls and things of that nature, they uh, came to the show and they knew the director of the show, Scott Ellis, because he also directs on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and they went to him and said, hey, we really like that Zach guy. What do you think? He spoke kindly of me, I'm very grateful for. And it was because of them seeing me in that show that ultimately led to me being Benjamin and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So a lot of really great things came out of that experience. Very grateful for it. Thank you. Great question. You. Hi, I'm Violet. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Violet, you're turning Violet, Violet. All the time. By the way, that that Chocolate Factory movie, I think, was far superior to the other one, in my <laughs> humble opinion. Humble opinion. Nobody beats Sheen Wilder. Continue. to be 16 trying to do this, I wouldn't recommend it. 
I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would. If I were you, I would just keep working on theater. Keep working on like really grounding yourself in the craft of it. And then at 18, when you really have your kind of, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that any of this is really an adult at 18, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I don't know why they trust us with that. Um, but, but, but I've at least said, in the eyes of the law and your ability to be autonomous and go live your life and go on auditions and all that stuff and get a job, all that, you know, these are all very important pieces of going and trying and doing that hustle. Um, but I, so I, I would say give yourself until 18 before you're doing anything. If you are a parent out there and you have a child who is super talented and precocious and is outgoing and can remember things and actually legitimately has a talent to do this stuff, I'm not saying you're an evil person for going and doing that or encouraging them that. There are healthy ways of of going and doing that, and there are unhealthy ways of doing that. So please don't do the unhealthy thing. I leave it up to you to figure out what that is. There's a lot of things involved in that. But most importantly, go to therapy. If you want to be the best actor that you can be, you go to therapy. You want to be the best plumber you can be, you go to therapy. You want to be the best you. <laughs> Best, the best way to be the best anything is to be the best you. And the best way to be the best you is to figure out all of the shit that is going on inside of your heart and mind that you're unaware of. And guess what? We are all so unaware of so many things, guys, that are going on in our hearts and minds. And that's okay. That's called trauma. That's, that's, that's normal. We all have that going on in us. Every single one of us needs at least a little bit of therapy. <laughs> Some of us need a lot. I think I like in mental health dental health. It's all very much about preventative medicine, okay? If you don't, if you brush and floss your teeth on a regular basis, guess what? You don't need a root canal two years on. If you brush and floss your mind on a regular basis, you don't have mental breakdowns like I had when I turned 37 and literally didn't want to live anymore, which is what led to me writing that book and talking about that on Found and all that kind of stuff. But I really suggest you don't wait until you're 37 to have a mental breakdown and not want to live. I suggest that you go and talk to your friends and family first, allow them to buoy you, tell you that you are worthy of getting therapy and investing in yourself and loving yourself because that's the most important ingredient. Love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. Okay, are you loving yourself? I am. Good. Good, keep doing that, keep doing that. Really good. 
And basically, it's a little therapy sessions <laughs> every time. We're just kind of cracking open and opening up concepts, and I love being able to do that. I love podcasts because they allow for long-form conversation. You know, going and doing things like Jimmy Fallon can be really fun, but it's like you get two seconds to talk about anything, and it's like, but I'm fun. Yeah, all right, guys, just stay tuned out to the break. We got this band coming. You know, there's a, it's very difficult to unpack larger ideas, but with Michael, we get to do that often. Um, when it came to Smallville, the only character, no, oh, that's not true. I originally auditioned for Superman, and they were like, yeah, thank you, didn't get it. Um, <laughs> wasn't meant to be, wasn't meant to be, genuinely. Uh, and, and, but, but at the audition for Superman, they go, hey, listen, you did a great job, but we actually think you're more Lex Luthor. Would you mind taking a look at these sides, these, these pages? I was like, okay. And then I took a look at these things, and I came back in, and I read for, for, uh, for Lex. And they're like, yeah, that's great. We're going to bring you back for producers. And then I read for producers, and they're like, oh, my God, yeah, we're going to send you to studio test. And then I studio tested. And then I went all the way to the network, and David Nutter, who directed the pilot, um, I had, like, work sessions with him. I was like, I'm going to be Lex Luthor. <laughs> like, I was convinced I was going to be cast as Lex Luthor, move to Vancouver, and shave my head. I, it was all happening, uh, and then it didn't, and then it didn't happen. I went all the way to network, and they were like, nah, it's not really our guy, you know? Well, I know, it's okay. It wasn't meant to be. And by the way, and I, I say that with a little bit of a wink, obviously, but truthfully, it wasn't meant to be. We, the things that don't work out in our lives, guys, are actually working out for us. Life is happening for us. Life is happening for us. I know that's hard. I know some of the, some of the shit that happens to us is really, really messed up, and it's really hard, and I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying, like, hey, it should be fine. Just, like, move past it. No. Metabolize that pain. Metabolize whatever dark shit happens in your life. Work through that, but know that that dark period can lead to and will lead to, if you allow it, a really beautiful, prosperous time in your life, but that's, that's the hard stuff we have to go through. So anyway, not to tangent too much, uh, but I am tangential and verbose, so sorry. Um, uh, but so that was ultimately my auditioning kind of journey with, with Smallville. Did, um, and then, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't really, I didn't imagine crossovers with Supernatural or with Smallville because we were just very different um, universes, if you will. Although, with Psych, ironically, because I'm sure there's a lot of Psych fans here, too. <laughs> the Psych. Uh, the Sykesters and the Chucksters are, uh, there's, a, there's a Venn diagram, it's very stout. It's a very stout Venn diagram. And, uh, and, I, and I used to do this event called Nerd HQ for years, and we had, oh, rock and roll. Uh, and, uh, and hoping they bring that back at some point, but I would have panels, and I had the boys from Psych come down, and I think Maggie even joined us a couple times too. And uh, so I became friendly with them doing those panels, and then through that, they actually wrote in the musical episode of the series, there's a character named Z, that was supposed to be me. I was supposed to be in the musical episode, but I was shooting, I was Fandral in, in, in uh, uh, Thor The Dark World at the time, and so I kept embarrassment of riches, you know what I mean? So I was too busy swashbuckling, I couldn't possibly. Ironically, doing an English accent in that, and then coming back for Psych the Movie and also having an English accent, and also being blonde. I don't know how that'll happen, but ultimately, yeah. So there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Next question over here. Hi, I'm Jenny. Where are you from? I'm from Bolingbroke. Bolingbroke. Okay. Copy that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that.
I mean, what are we talking about? Because, uh... Oh, Jobs. Like, Jobs? Okay, okay. Um...
is hard for a lot of us. For you, young man in the front row, you've probably been doing this very regularly, using your imagination. For adults, try to think back. When was the last time you had like toys or action figures and you were and you were thinking about well, I, okay, maybe some of you have been Okay, we're at a convention. I and uh, batteries in 
don't like the cold, as it turns out. So a lot of that stuff was short-circuiting and all that jazz, so it was nice to just kind of simplify things. And also, I loved how all of the detail on this suit, like the, the metal work on it was all, it all felt like worn, like bronze and stuff like that that matched much more to, let's say, uh, Wonder Woman's armor or Aquaman's armor, you know, like things like that. It all kind of felt, you know, in the same world. So yeah, I like this out a lot more. Thanks, man. Fred? Okay. You wanna, <laughs> why? There was a writer's strike that happened and it kind of stopped our season because we were shooting, I don't know, we were averaging 16 hour days. And you also, you have to have, a, by, by you know, union law, you have to have a 12 hour turnaround off time as an actor from when you wrap a day to the next time you can come to work. So doing the math, you start on a Monday at like 6 a.m., you work a 16 hour day-ish, and now you gotta give me 12 hours, and now we're starting so late the next day that 16 hours, and you just keep adding that. By the time we got to Friday, we were working, we called them Fratterdays, because we worked all the way until like eight in the morning on Saturday, and then you had to somehow get back on a schedule and get back to work at 6 a.m. on Monday. So, listen, again, champagne problems. I got to be an actor on a TV show, but talk about something that really fucks with your mental and emotional well-being. It really, really, really messed, not just me up, but really Yvonne, everybody. I mean, it, it is not, it is not a humane way to have people work, I guess is what I could say. So that, fortunately, it got better and better as we kind of went on in, this, in the series, but we also kept losing money because the show, even though if we got, if the show was on today getting the same numbers it got then, we'd be a <laughs> raging success because television is a, like pretty dead on, you know, network television is kind of dying on the vine. But at that point, NBC was like, yeah, we don't know, we think we can do better. And so every season, if anybody you, uh, bought any Subway sandwiches to save our show, you know this, every single season, NBC was like, yeah, we don't know if we're gonna bring you back, so heads on the chopping block. And then, by the grace of God, they would go into development of new shows that weren't quite up to snuff, and so that they would, then they would say, okay, we'll bring you back, but they would go to Warner Brothers, who produced us, and they say, but we're only going to license the show for this much money, a little bit less and a little bit less. So every year they'd license it for less, which means every year Warner Brothers would have less and less money to be able to put into the budget. And we were now trying to make these episodes, what used to be, you know, nine days. Now we're down to like seven days and less money and we're running and gunning. And I mean, it was a very tumultuous task to make that show. So all that to say, 
I was ready to move on from all that stuff, but I would work with all those people for the rest of my life if I could have. And then why did it end? Because of all of that. It just, the ratings just weren't enough for NBC to keep renewing us. And as much as I wish that we would have been able to get more and more people watching live, at the time, we didn't. What's ironic is that then, so many people have found the show on Netflix, on Amazon, on HBO Max. So I really think that like, I don't know, I mean, if we made a movie now, we would have twice the support that we would have had even when the show was on TV, which is kind of crazy, you know? Thank you. Schmitzy up here. Hey, what's up, brother? Hi. I'm Aiden. I'm from Chicago. Aiden, nice and, to meet you. Uh, the Very commanding voice, right, from Aiden? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aiden. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> Go ahead. So, uh, the story arc of Grandview, just in general, how do you feel on how it ended? Because in Ragnarok, you went, ah, and then you died. So <laughs> oh, I know. I was going to. Um, Um, but uh, but so so that that was a heartbreaker. But then, as fate would have it, uh, Josh Dallas, who stepped in and played that role, uh, ultimately in the first movie, he was on a show called Once Upon a Time, and then he <laughs> and then he was uh, shooting his show, and they wouldn't let him out of his show. And so then Marvel came back and were like, Hey Zach, uh, what you doing? And uh, you want to play this role? And um, and I, so I had some, you know, lengthy conversations uh, with the folks in the studio because I personally, I in the first movie, I didn't feel like that Warriors Three were utilized on the level that I wish they would have been. You know what I mean? I think that those are some awesome characters and badass characters, and I wanted to see them be more badass and a part of what was going on. I was told that that was the intention for the second movie in Thor: The Dark World. It was going to be more. I was like, okay, because because honestly, my fear was if I only get one shot at being a superhero then I want to make sure it counts, that it means something, right? And so then we went and shot Thor The Dark World, and as it turned out, we didn't really end up doing much in that movie either, you know? But that was a lot of things that ended up coming into the confluence of all those events. Still grateful that I got to be a part of it, for sure. Um, and then the third movie rolled around, and I got a call, you know, this is now years later, and the call was, hey, um, they're making the third uh, Thor movie. Uh, they would like for you to come back. Um, they only need you for, <laughs> they only need you for like two days. And I was like, oh, I'm getting killed. That's for sure. <laughs> I am 100% dying in this movie. And as it turned out, that's exactly what happened. Um, I, but I wanted to, look, I, I think Taika Waititi is, uh, is a hugely talented person. And so I thought working with him was going to be cool. Finishing up the role would have been cool. Uh, trip down to Australia would have been cool. Um, I was disappointed that there was actually some dialogue in that scene, and all of it got chopped out, so I didn't even get to say a thing before I got, you know, a couple daggers thrown in my chest by Kate Blanchett. But if you're gonna die, <laughs> let it be at the hands of Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yes. Hey, Zach. It's Logan from the Chicago area. Hey, can I call you Zach or no? Yeah, yeah, you can call me Zach. 
Jack, Zachary, Schmucko, Pookie Pants. Just don't call me late for dinner. That's what my daddy always said. absolutely influenced me as an actor. Uh, but I would say as far as actor actors, I mean, Tom Hanks has always been huge up there. Um, um, you know, Jimmy Stewart, guys like Jimmy Stewart. I've always really liked the everyman. I've always, I've always appreciated the actor that is just somebody who is grounded and who represents as many of us as possible because I think that's who we can connect to. That's who we relate to. That's, that's who we want to relate to. We, we see the or whatever, although Brad Pitt, I think, has played some really cool roles that are more grounded in, in every man, too. But a lot of those are like, those are aspiration goals, you know? It's like, oh, man, if only I could do that. Whereas most people, no, I am this. I, I, I see this. I relate to this, you know? So actors like that have always inspired me. Um, and then also, like, a lot of just great physical comedians, you know? Like, I, I would say, I can't remember exactly when all these movies dropped, but Jim Carrey in his first, like, Four films was like everything in my childhood. Like me and all of my friends were constantly quoting Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber and The Mask and all that jazz. Um, Peter Sellers, OG physical comedian. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lot, lots of other stuff. Yeah, thanks. Great question. Yes, sir. Hi, I'm Earl from Sydney Park. Hi, Earl. Two things. One, this has got to be one of the best panels we've ever had at C2E. Hey! Don't be so scared. <laughs> oh my god. It's 
This emoji. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, look, this, this is what I know. Businesses are businesses, right? So they don't tend to make more product of something that didn't make them the money that they wanted it to make, ultimately, right? Now, some of that is box office, which I wish we were doing much better in right now. Um, but some of that is ultimately gonna be home video and video on demand and you know all the other things and all, you know, like like the, the first Shazam, for example. You know, we did pretty good in the box office. It wasn't, we weren't like some massive, massive success, but we did pretty good. But we did really well in the secondary markets and because a, you know, a lot of that is families who didn't end up going out to the theater, but instead waited it. And by the way, now it's, even, it's more than just families. We're all so accustomed to waiting for the streaming that it affects box office negatively, unfortunately. But if it's very convenient for people, I guess that's fortunate. I don't know. It's a weird place that we're in. So I would love to keep playing this role. I'm literally paid to be an immature version of myself. It is, I highly <laughs> recommend it, by the way. Um, it'd be so much fun, but I have no idea. I have no idea. And, and I haven't had any conversations about it. So I'm just going to keep living life, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. Listen. Yeah, hey, I couldn't tell. You know, on, on both of, I mean, there's all kinds of fun, you know, I guess little moments or things that happen when you're filming, but I'm a lover of people. So my favorite moments are just like between takes. It's like when we're hanging, I bring a speaker to work and I just play music all day long, which is typically like, dance pop music, uh, you know, there's some Michael Jackson, some Stevie Wonder from Dua Lipa, like that kind of stuff. I just like to keep my people like happy and going and whatever, because music makes life better, it genuinely does. So we're all just hanging out between takes and between scenes. I bring my Nintendo Switch to work, and I would <laughs> hook it up on a TV and we play Mario Kart. Um, you know, that's the stuff that I love. Then on the second one, uh, I was able to host a lot of like pool parties and barbecues and things like that and bringing all the you know younger cast and the super cast together and like that. Those are all my favorite moments. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hi. I'm Kelly from Wisconsin. Kelly from Wisconsin. <laughs> Personality, 
and charm and funniness and all of the things. And I, I, I'm just, I'm so stoked that I, that I got to be him. The, the irony was that when I auditioned for the role, they were only reading English actors because Flynn originally had an English accent. And I, well, they almost didn't see me. In fact, they weren't seeing any American actors. They were like, no, 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 we need an English actor because we need an authentic English accent. And my, fortunately, my voiceover agent, uh, she knew that I did English accents, and she was like, please, 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 just see Zach, and he can sing, and whatever, and they're like, okay. And then I went in, and I did all of the audition as Flynn, and he was English, and like all the lines, or whatever it was, so I did it all as English. And they were like, okay, I guess you can kind of do that. <laughs> and then, uh, and we were asked to bring a singer-songwriter song to sing for them, and I sang Sweet Baby James by James Taylor, which is a banger, by the way, if you don't know that one. <laughs> and based on all that, they're like, okay, we're gonna call you back. And I got called back and I sang, uh, uh, Last I See the Light, that's for my callback song. I wouldn't worry about that. I know, another banger. Uh, and Helen Mankin, guys, I mean, you know, Gwen Slater, insane. Uh, and so then I ended up getting cast in the role. And then only after that did, I think it was Lassiter? I don't know, somebody high up at Disney, they realized that it never in any of their movies did either their prince or princess have anything other than a standard American accent, and they didn't want to veer from that. And so they called my agents back, and they're like, so, can Zach do that? And I was like, can I do this? You want me to just talk like me? Okay, yeah, fine, I can do that. Uh, it's so funny. So yeah, so that was the whole process of getting the job, and honestly, one of the coolest darn things that's ever happened to me in my life. I really feel like I, God, like I manifested that since I was a little kid. Like I, ever since I was a little kid, I was the biggest Disney nerd. I li we lived in Southern California. We'd go to Disneyland a lot. I would watch Disney Channel like constantly. And by the way, for all of you who are a bit younger than my 42 year old self, um, the Disney Channel was not a whole bunch of new content. It was just a bunch of the old shit. <laughs> they would just play on repeat, which I loved, by the way. I, I kind of wish they still did a lot of that because I got to we got to look at all those old cartoons, uh, Silly Symphonies and all that stuff, which were so fun. Mickey uh, Mouse, Mickey Mouse Club? Oh yeah, the OG Mickey Mouse Club, for sure. So anyway, for me, I dreamt about being in a Disney animated musical, and then I got to be in one, and I'm so grateful that I Thank you, thank you. Yes, I love that I have a Sarah Walker in Orange Orange and a Chuck Bartowski right across the aisle. Did you guys coordinate that? If, you, if you're both single, you should talk to each other afterwards. Oh, we're not married. Does she remember, though? I mean, honestly. Anyway, yes, Sarah. Staying in the car or whatever it is that I'm, I don't know. And, you know, 
screwing things up and then only to fix them later. Um, you know, that stuff I, I didn't love as much. But the uh, uh, initial season one Chuck, where he was just being thrown into all of this and learning all of these things and like, oh my God, these missions and stuff. Like that was really fun. And then I appreciated when we finally got to a little bit more of Chuck who could handle himself and wasn't quite, you know, so I guess toward the end of season three and then through season four. And if you look, you know, another, another thing too was like Josh Schwartz, he, Josh Schwartz used to have uh, the, one of the creators of Chuck and who created the OC as well. Um, he had like this kind of Chuck hair, like this long flowy Chuck hair. So he wanted, like it's part of the reason I got the job in the first season, right? Because I had this, this Josh Schwartz hair, which subsequently was also Adam Brody's haircut in the OC. It all makes sense, guys. So. And then Adam and I got to work in Shazam together, which is also super uh, mind-melding. Anyway, um, but so they were very hesitant for me to cut my hair, and so like the hair went through a really weird journey, right? Like if you look at season two, it's almost like I'm wearing this weird like Farrah Fawcett wig sometimes. It's very strange. But I was always like, guys, if he's if he's going on all these missions and all this stuff, like shouldn't he start graduating into being a little bit more of a spy? So if you if you look at the haircuts, they eventually get shorter. <laughs> shorter than I was a much happier person too. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yes, Mr. Bartow. Yes. So my name is Zach from Only Chuck. Also Zach. <laughs> Love it. That's it. Best thing? Um, my favorite moment watching Chuck was when you're in the suburbs with Sarah and then you're finding out that it's a Fulcrum suburb. Are you talking about with Jen McCarthy? Yes. Yeah. Having Scott Bakula be my dad. Like, 
did the Hamilton with my mom. You know what I mean? Like, these things are all the little nerd in me just being like, oh, I can't believe what's going on. <laughs> so all of it, yeah. Thanks, Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Luigi. It's me, yeah. Where'd your accent go? What happened? <laughs> Uh, 
Oh, I'm sorry, we're out of time. Sorry, we no time. Um, I love them both equally. No, listen, listen. I, I, growing up, I was a Marvel kid because I was huge into all the mutants. I loved X-Men, X-Factor, X-Force, x -Men. I, to this day, I still believe it's the closest chance any of us have to actually becoming a superhero because it's like a gene mutation, and who knows, like, that can happen, right? <laughs> Some weird things happen. You know, I, I was like, I don't know that I'm going to find myself in a lot of gamma rays. I don't know that anything like that. I'm not, certainly not from another planet, at least that I know of. Um, maybe I am. Um, but so I was super into that world. That said, I cannot think of a role, genuinely, and, and I've wanted to play a lot of different superheroes over the years, but I can think of a role that I'd rather play than the fact that I, I watched Tom Hanks and Big and Christopher Reeves and Superman, and I got both. And I, and I, I can't, nobody else got both. I got both. It is so fun. So, we got 30 more seconds. We got time for one more. You better make it count. Oh my gosh, the pressure! The pressure. Hi, I'm Kat. I'm from Iowa. Hi. Um, I saw you and she loved me on Broadway. You're an excellent person with excellent taste. Uh, yeah, I still have your autograph playbill on my wall. Yeah! <laughs> um, and my husband's really jealous of you. It's fine. Um, so I have one question. Very yes and yes or no. So what are your chances of going back to Broadway someday? Oh, I, well, that's not a yes or no question. <laughs> <laughs> this amount of time, and if it's multi-seasons, you gotta count for that. If you're doing a movie, it lasts this amount of time. If you're doing a Broadway show, it's this type of commitment, whatever that is. And trying to juggle and balance all of that stuff. But I would love to, I would love to get back on Broadway, uh, on a Broadway stage. I don't know that the next one I do would be a musical, only because I've done that, and if I've only got so many years of life to experience different things, I wanna check off just like doing a play, you know, a comedy or a drama or something like that. Um, but I love it. Look, I mean, you can probably tell, I, not only do I love people, but I love live experience like this. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. So I'd love to do far more. Guys, that is my time. All right, man. So that was the Zachary Levi panel. Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I talked it up too much, but seriously, I've been going to cons for... I feel like it's almost 20 years at this point, And that's literally been one of my favorite panels I've ever seen. Like it was so, he was just so good. And like, I feel like everybody could take something out of that panel and apply it to either their everyday life or their fandoms and interests or something like you had something you could take away no matter who you were. So uh, amazing stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just, it was the, I don't know, I guess it was that charismatic thing that he does. And it was just great to hear that. Uh, which brings me to the cosplay. I did not expect that many Buy More employees at the convention um, <laughs> from the show Chuck, which that was, right not, on. was not a cosplay I was expecting. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. There, there was a variety of uh, cosplay, I think, at all the uh, panels that I went to. But, yeah, good call. The Chuck cosplays were definitely a really nice touch and something that I don't think I would have even noticed if I hadn't attended that panel. You know what I'm, I mean? I would have just been like, oh, random person in, like, a button-up shirt or whatever and a name tag. You know, I wouldn't have put two and two together necessarily. Right. Well, we also spent 
the first chunk of hours at the con <laughs> not walking the floor. We went into panels. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, it was pretty much from there. We um, we were in the Zachary Levi panel and that ended. And the very next panel in the main hall was the cast of the original X-Men, the voice cast of the 1990s X-Men animated series that was coming right after Zachary Levi. And we knew this was one that we couldn't miss. And it was one of those cool experiences where you just stay in the panel room, everybody leaves who wants to, and then everybody else gets to move up to the front of the room. So we got an even better seat. And then we just watched as the, uh, the X-Men actors came out and uh, regaled us with tidbits and stories of the show, but also a lot of insight into the X-Men characters. And especially when it came to the Q&A, really gave a lot of insight to, I guess, what these characters mean to the world and uh, how they're really needed for uh, for everybody out there from not just a fiction and like a pop cultural sense, but also the social impact that these characters have had on the world um the one other thing that i'll say and drew i'll let you comment on this too if you want but <laughs> the one thing that cracked me up and i know i mentioned this to you drew was that when these actors came onto onto the stage i was taken aback because they really all looked a lot like their animated <laughs> forms and i don't know if the animators did this on purpose like if they made Jean Grey from the show have similar facial features to the voice actress who played Jean Grey, but I was really surprised when you see, um, you know, you see Wolverine's voice actor walk on stage and you're like, well, he looks a lot like Wolverine from the show. And it was really, it was really bizarre, but really cool in the fact that you didn't have to separate from reality. You didn't have to separate reality from the animation very much at all when you actually got a glimpse of these people's physical presence, if that makes sense. Yeah, I hear you there. And that was really interesting to kind of see as they walked on stage, because Jean Grey, like, okay, it's Jean Grey, and of course she's got red hair. And then Wolverine walks out, and he was having a lot of fun. I think he was the most excited to be there, to be completely honest. But he walks <laughs> out, he had claws, he had a jacket that said X-Men, he had a yellow and black <laughs> jacket that said X-Men on it. <laughs> He came out and he wasted no time, got right into character and said a line in character, in voice. Um, they brought out, it was Jean Grey. So hold on. It was Jean Grey, Wolverine, then Storm came out. Yep. They're like, And Storm, it was really interesting because she talked about, you know, studying Shakespeare and how that influenced a lot of her line delivery. And I was like, and I was thinking back to the X-Men, the original show, and I'm like, that makes total sense now when I think back to Storm's dialogue, um, yeah. you know, and then um, Gambit looked like Gambit. But what kind of threw me off was that he did the Cajun accent. That's not his real accent. Uh, so that's kind of cool to know. Um, yeah. Beast came out. Beast looks and sounds exactly like Beast, except he doesn't have blue <laughs> fur. Um, he like, almost yeah, kind of he almost kind of resembles uh Kelsey Grammer too, which is another connection to the X Men yeah. movies. It was like there's so many levels of just weird look likeness going on with yeah. this panel, but and then and then Rogue was really uh, she was cool just because she kind of she almost looked like she wanted to just take control of the panel and just talk and just you know what I'm here to talk and tell you guys about stuff. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know Peter and I could be talking about this forever, or we can let them talk. 
Um, before I turn this panel over to, before I turn the audio over to them, I will say that there's a section of this audio, and I don't know if it was the mic or if it was just they were talking quietly on their mics, but I felt it was a little low. Um, and I think it was just them not holding the mics properly to their face. So, um, but that's not my fault. We tried to record everything and uh, we had good seats for this one. So the mics got a little better volume. So um, enjoy the X-Men 97 panel. Johnson!
We pick up right where we left off in 97, which is why it's called X-Men 97, and we just go right from there. Even though we used our original voices, 
they didn't want us to manufacture any cartoon voice. So just stay natural, use your own voice. And uh, just my only concern was uh, those 31 years, because voices age, as do your body. And uh, I was concerned that uh, I wanted to sound as young as I was when I did it. And obviously it, it worked, so uh, here we go. It sounds good to me, Sugar. <laughs> and you look as lovely as ever. Like the late Norm Spencer. Are you going to do it that way? Is that what you're going to do? Yeah. 
You have to tell the story about Norm and you and the first time that he heard you. Oh, well, it. when we first started the Cadence Voice, very first year, we all um, did it as a group in, a, once in the studio with eight of, like, <laughs> six or eight of us in the studio reading the script, but our mics were spilling into each other, so we ultimately ended up recording alone. Um, but the first year, we had a bunch of really fun, well, all these guys, plus others and Norm Spencer was hilarious. He played Cyclops. And Norm was always trying to get extra voice work within the show. He'd play a bit part. Any, anything he could get. Oh, I'll do that. I'll do that. So um, he'd be cracking us up all the time. But I, I was a newbie and I was reading a gambit one day and then cut. And then Norm just looked over at me and said, is that how you're going to do it? <laughs> just crushed my, my ego and uh, built a, 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 le a legion of uh, insecurity in me for the rest of <laughs> Okay, I've said enough. And, and, and I had never done a voice, a voiceover, I mean, the singer stuff, the jingles. And I, so I didn't know any of these guys. And, but, and Norm was like, to, to me, he always reminded me of Ted Knight or whatever. And then when he says that to Chris, after Chris did his first, you know, we first time we heard his voice at Cajun, and Norm goes, it was an energy. Is that the way you're going to do it? <laughs> no, I want, that must have made you feel just great. And, and God, God rest Norm Spencer. He's, he's, he's not with us. Yeah, we really miss Norm. Cyclops. Oh, yeah, listen, I, Well, that's okay. That's okay. Well, you're new with this. I am. <laughs> so, um, we talked about finding stage actor. I mean, I've done, I've done a lot of things in my career. Um, I've been lucky enough and privileged enough to, to do that. But I still, um, after all the film and all the television and all the voice work, I think of myself as a theater actor. Um, and at the time when I was auditioning for this and then I got it and I was finding them, I was working, I was doing Shakespeare. I was at the Stratford Festival in Ontario and that's sort of somewhat similar. Today we have all the executive producers, writers, and voices of authority uh, at the other end of a line while we're alone in the studio with a script but no animation. So if a session for me goes something like, okay, your arm is going to be ripped off and action. <laughs> and then my, my response is always, is that good? <laughs> and they go, that was great. Onto the next piece, so we don't we don't get to watch anything when we're doing it. So you really have to dig in and create all this. Um, all animation actors uh, work that way, and um, unless you're dubbing something, <laughs> yes, unless you're dubbing. And 
believe me, trying to match lip sync to somebody speaking a foreign language is a nightmare. <laughs> I have to say, I've, I've, uh, the big change during the pandemic was I've spent a lot of time in my pajamas in my bedroom doing cartoons with people in my ear and just praying that they don't say, you know what, let's, just, let's hop on Zoom. You know, <laughs> like, uh, maybe not. Uh, you know, and running outside and trying to get the kids to stop playing basketball next door. So I, I did quite a lot of, I actually, um, I had done a, a, quite a bit of animation work before I did X-Men. And a lot of it was, uh, oh, this is like a directional lighting thing, uh-huh. Um, and a lot of it was, you know, here are little kids cartoons. And, and so X-Men was a totally different animal when I read the script. And it became apparent that, you know, especially with Jean, she was kind of like the heart and soul, the, the empathetic center of the X-Men, that it didn't require funny voices. It actually just required saying those words and being very present. So that was a really odd thing. And I, I also, I, you know, I kind of, I was a bit embarrassed about doing animation when I was doing it before. And it's only when my son got to be kind of the age where he'd go into comic book stores and say, hey, my mom's Jean Grey, and my dad's <laughs> Professor X. Can we just back up? You do your work from your bedroom in your pajamas? <laughs> Why am I wearing a costume to the studio? You had a costume made? Oh, that's so funny. I go in character. <laughs> Method man, master of the super objective, enemy of the articulate. Yeah, and they're lucky that I had pajamas on. That's all I, I know. Can say. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I'm like, no, sorry, stand up camera, I can't turn on my camera, uh, it distracts me. I always say, it distracts me from the work. <laughs> and that's partially true. <laughs> but then so does the dog, you know, so. And speaking of a different animal, you said it's a whole different animal. When I went in for the audition for this role in 1992, I didn't, had no idea who Wolverine was. It was Project X, we were, Project X, we were auditioning for, because it was secret. Project X, Ooh. and um, <laughs> so I said no, and, and they gave me a line, and I looked at it, and I said, so who, after I figured out what the voice was going to be, they said a little bit of Clint Eastwood, and they mentioned some other names, Steve McQueen, which I like, because he's very quiet and short, sure, uh, and he's very into himself, and so, I, and then I put in a little bit of uh, um, Wolfman Jack, baby, Wolfman Jack in the voice, and they gave me this line, and, and I still didn't know what was about a cart story. It's not a cartoon. It's an animated series. So they said it's. They said your your voice is. You're going to be Wolverine. I said, oh, okay. And 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 this guy goes on. Who I can save this line to? And they said, Sabretooth. This is not a lie. I said. And they're behind. They're from LA and New York. They've been there casting. And I'm in Toronto and sitting on the stool, which I do a lot. And they said. Here's the line, it said, I said, is this an animal cartoon? Wolverine, <laughs> uh, and he's Sabretooth? No, when they stopped laughing, they all, it's, you know, very funny. And the, this, so this is the first line they gave me. All right, you egg-sucking piece of gutter trash. I'm picking shorter than you. Well, I'm shorter. Try pushing me. <laughs> And they, they kind of just, they 
complement each other. Yeah, and a guy, uh, uh, talk about an impact, but he used that word actually, the impact that the show had on his life and how it, and, and I've heard this before, this has happened before, he, it, had, it saved his life. He said, it, and, uh, and I don't know if you're in the audience, you probably are, um, but he said his mom died in a, in a car crash he, of course, was devastated, and he got into the, he was reading the comic books, but he saw the series for the first time, and uh, it was just, it, it kept him alive, especially, well, that for some reason, he loved the X-Men, but he really liked Wolverine. <laughs> because Wolverine is all a loner and, you know, that stuff, but he was, and I've had that before, I've told these guys that story through an autistic man coming up with his autistic daughter, I'll shorten the story, and he goes on and he spoke to me for about two minutes, he just, Went on and he had it memorized uh, and how much it saved his life because he was having a hard time in school. He was being picked on, teased, and like, you know, we will come here. You want to pick on somebody shorter than you? I'm shorter. That whole thing saved his life. He said, I had to thank you. He said, my daughter here is autistic too. And with, when he was done, I had my claws and I took one of them off and put my hand out to shake his hand. And he took his claw off and shook my hand. He then turned, he turned and walked away and this woman ran up right after they left, he and his daughter, and she said, she's in tears, she said, that's my husband and my little girl. He has never ever touched a, another human hand ever. It's part of his autistic things. But you were, he was meeting Wolverine and he, he shook your hand and it was a big, oh, bye. <laughs> so the impact, the impact is tremendous. Also, 
actors would all say, you want to put more me in there. <laughs> you know?
Watchmen was only my second show, so I was pretty new to it as well. Yeah, my second animation. I was mainly doing movies, television, and theater up until that point. I'm actually curious what brought you to voice acting for many of you since it was your first time. My agent. <laughs> my agent called me and said, Lenore, they're looking for somebody with a, a, a deep, husky, sexy voice who can do a southern accent. And she said, that's you. And I had played roles like that in TV and film. But I blew off the first audition. I didn't go because, as Catherine had mentioned, animation, cartoons, I, I wasn't like a serious actress. You know, I didn't do that kind of thing. I was, but she called me a, another month later and said, Lenore, they haven't found the right actress for this part because it's you. Get your ass in gear and get down to the studio and audition. And I walked in the studio and I saw the drawing and I saw it Rogue with her hand on her hips. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And, um, and I walked in the booth and the first lines were, my daddy liked to kill himself when he found out I was a mutant. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the producers in LA screamed and went, that's the voice we've been looking for. That don't let her leave the building. And, and that's, how, that's how I got the part.
find a group that was wearing the penny holsters. And then there would be a big school fight, and then I'd end up in the principal's office because I didn't lose. <laughs> and that, that was something that I could bring to the character, because Beast always looked for a peaceful solution to whatever he had faced. But if it came down to it, he'd kick ass. Because if you let it go, you end up like I did in court. So, <laughs> so this is the thing that we... Go ahead now. That's How long do we have? Go on. I'm done. It sounds like that was a good story. After his third year in prison. <laughs> hanging upside down, by the way. stupid in Toronto with the trap, I mean, the, the construction and everywhere. It's just nonsense and just really bad drivers. Maybe you should go back home and take up some other sport with driving because you don't do it well. And yeah, that happens a lot. You're going to love Chicago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sang in Chicago. I sang in Chicago about 25 years ago with Richie Havens. You know, here comes the little for a, a Molson Export Canadian beer commercial. <laughs> and all I did was fly in, and he's doing the lead vocal stuff, and I had to sing, because it's Molson X, so the chorus line was, X says it. That's all I did, and then I flew home. <laughs> it was great, I love Chicago. And my, aunt, my aunt lived here, my great aunt lived here for most of her life when she came over from Ireland. So I, we just heard all about Chicago then, and how, how about those Blackhawks? Hey, Perry, how about those cubbies yesterday? Four and six. Okay, over to you, Gene. I don't get it. I, I sort of think, you know, Gene was the, the sort of empathetic center, and what would Gene do? You I know? love you, Gene. <laughs> I miss Norm. Get down, Gene. <laughs> get down, Gene. So Gene is me nice. It's my nice side, which I don't often show. <laughs> no, I, that's that's a lie. But uh, yeah, I, I just um, I don't know. Literally, what would Gene do? She was the level-headed, you know, big-hearted one. And uh, I don't know. Somebody else. Come on, jump in and save me. Come on. I'm floundering a bit. Well, I, 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 would, I would practice. I am. Um, I'm a Barbadian. I'm I'm from Barbados. So um, every now and again, I would I would go home to Barbados and I would practice on my big back veranda, and I would. Didn't always work, but every now and again, a hurricane would. 
something like there's always more gators in the bayou. <laughs> so I just turned it off. <laughs> and I am rogue. What can I say? She's me, I'm her, and she comes out all the time. Chicago, now. insecure and blind. You know, it's actually the best way to do it when you're, because it becomes like a play, especially when we were all in the room together that first year. That was great. Because you can, you have, you have to leave a little pause, so if, if Cal has a line, you have to leave a slight pause while they switch the mics, but you're actually reacting to the other people. And, um, and also, there was so much in the comics, you know, it, was, it would be hard to know where to focus. 
so they really, the writers talk about this, how they really had to, they spent a long time trying to decide what characters to include and what storylines, and so uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I just wanted to go in and play, you know, and try to surprise myself and surprise the other actors. And also, as an actor, you're there to uh, act the script that you've been given, not to interpret it and then apply it to what you've read in the comic books to what you've been given to read. So you have to be true to the script that's in front of you. That's uh, the bottom line. Also, no one listens to us, so you know. <laughs> All right, thank you. I always say too, I think there's a such thing as over-preparation, and it seems like the blind strategy works. I, mean, I think everyone can agree here. <laughs> Didn't we beat you the other night in baseball? Didn't the Jays kick your 11 to 10 or something? Was, was that your home opener, by the way? Was that? I, I, no, no. Let the man ask his question. <laughs> <laughs> the home opener was yesterday. 
voices in Toronto, and they did the rest of it in L.A. So we, we never really met. got to meet them or the Star Wars. But it was cool. Yeah, it was great. Being on Spider-Man as well as X-Men, man. Probably have time for maybe three more questions just so everybody knows. Hello. Hello. Mike from Chicago here. And I'm a proud member of the LGBT community. Send the entire series to Congress. And just very quickly, because we have other questions, but in The Cure, which is one of the episodes where Rose goes to Muir Island to try to be cured of her differences, um, she comes away from that experience going, I finally understand that it's okay to be who I am and to be different so I can try and help mankind save themselves from themselves. And in the end, she says, there ain't no cure for who you are. And I love that. Not our place to say. I was doing an episode, and this this happened. 
So I'm just missing a bunch of pages, and the director said, could you uh, uh, um, turn to page whatever it was? And, and I said, in my script, I, I don't have that script, that number, that page number, I don't have that. And she said, oh yeah, never mind, you're not supposed to see that. <laughs> what? They what? don't even send us the entire they went, script. Seriously, no, no, you're not supposed to see that. They're keeping secrets from us. Uh, <laughs> something else, you better, yeah, prepare yourselves. You'll love it. And we can probably be our last question. Hi, I'm Laura from Michigan. I met you guys in November uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I don't know if you remember because I'm small. But uh, you sort of touched on this before, but uh, were you bullied at all growing up? And did you um, have any experiences that you drew from for your characters? Because, like you said, they were. One thing, I wasn't bullied as a kid, but we moved to Canada from Australia and I had a funny Australian accent. And that was long before Crocodile Dundee made being Australian cool. Um, so I learned a trick which was to try and fit in and get with the loudest kids and get them to sort of befriend me so that I was protected. But um, as Rogue, as I grew older, I realized like I always stand up for somebody who's being picked on. I, I'm just like that, I, that's who I am. I can't stand seeing injustice and cruelty and I will stand up any time for anybody who's being picked on. So that's just part of the character and part of me. I come from an island that's 95% black, the population. And I went to school in Sackville, New Brunswick, which is a tiny little town in the province of New Brunswick. So I come from this space where I feel pretty empowered. This is who I am. Most of the people around look like me. And then I get into this space, and I'm 18 years old, and people are asking me where my grass skirt and my spear were. They ask me if my blood was the same color as theirs. They ask why the palms of my hands weren't brown too. They wanted to know if I lived in the tops of trees. So yeah, I, I got a little crash course in um, how people treat different. And um, I'm sure that, yeah, I would have channeled some of that in just form. And I'll bet if the two of us had it got together, we would have kicked ass. <laughs> I feel like I have to be able to go. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Um, the story about the impact, uh, that's why I came down here originally I had to do this. My brother was supposed to be here with me today. His, my niece and nephew, um, his name's Logan, and he right now is fighting cancer. He's two years old, but he was named after Wolverine Logan, and it's such a perfect name, and I needed you to know that because my brother was supposed to be here with me today, but Logan's getting chemo, we could, couldn't be here, so I had to be here for him and let you guys know that my niece and nephew is Logan and Rogue.
Yeah, fly. 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 <laughs> Hands down. Fly. Yeah, don't want to be carried anymore. Don't want to. Want to fly. And I said this before. I'd like to have. I'd like to be uh, Cyclops. So I, I would be. Gene would love me. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I was just invisible. Well, that was X-Men 97. I will say that I was excited for the show before. I'm really excited for the show now. Like, right I'm on. really Absolutely. excited. I can't wait for this um, Disney Plus show. I kind of, I, I know I don't have time to rewatch X-Men 97, but I kind of want to have some time to rewatch X-Men 97. <laughs> um, because, yeah. well, I don't want to call it X-Men 97. It's just the X-Men animated series because the new yeah. series is called X-Men 97. I just, I really want to try and, See if I have time to squeeze that in. Um, I have been Same. reading the original Jim Lee era X-Men comics. Um, like a, that's a long haul though. So um, I have been reading that here from time to time, but um, it's been great to reread some of it, but I might jump right in and watch some X-Men and catch myself up. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> after, after this panel, Peter and I finally got to go downstairs and walk around the floor of the con, which was a lot of fun just to kind of get our bearings, check things out, wander through Artist Alley, see some cool stuff, uh, see some cool artwork, um, do a little shopping. Peter did more shopping than I did, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> I feel like uh, you say that, but I feel like I was very very stringent with my money spending this time but uh there was you know you always got to leave a con with a couple trinkets you know like you well, got to bring something home otherwise i just don't feel satisfied with it you know what i mean <laughs> i stringent with the money is interesting i just think it's interesting how my collecting habits have vastly oh changed. right on yeah that's more of that and it's either from age or it's because i've shifted gears in terms of pop culture things i used to it used to be like oh i'm going to the con gotta buy comics you know, yeah. and then it was like, I'm going to the con, I'm looking for this. And then you start shopping for certain things because you know you're going to the con for specific things. There was a gaming company that I was trying to find. Um, and uh, that gaming company, they were there, but they weren't carrying any product that I was looking for. And I was like, there's no way that is that the same gaming company? <laughs> and I walked up to the guy's booth and I go, are you with my phone, the image of the product? And I'm like, are you guys the same guys? And he goes, yep, they just didn't send me any product for the con. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you guys were on my list of people to find this weekend. <laughs> so um, that was kind of an interesting, it was a little bit of a bummer, but he gave me a discount coupon uh, thing. And I went to their website and I already purchased the thing. So it's on the way to the house. So, <laughs> well, that's actually, it's funny that you bring that up because I feel like at this con, I was kind of on the hunt for like swag as well as like, uh, I guess like artwork and stuff like that. Maybe some reading material. Um, like I bought a Deadpool hat where like, I feel like 
Drew, you weren't looking at like any apparel or anything that was there at all, but I you know. were on the hunt for dice, like everywhere. <laughs> oh, I know. I stopped Drew and looked at so much dice. Every single dice booth, check out all the different ones. Um, so that was pretty, uh, pretty awesome. We spent a lot of time looking at different dice, and uh, I probably wouldn't have done that uh, if I wasn't with you, Drew, but it was still like a really good time and uh, kind of cool to explore that a little further. So I did laugh a little bit when you when I finally bought a pair of dice and you're just like a set of dice and you're just like, are you satisfied? <laughs> <laughs> and finally landed on, well, the one set I wanted, but oh, too expensive. There's no way I could justify spending that much money, but it was such a cool set. <laughs> Um, yeah. after walking the floor a bit, Peter and I, um, prior to this, I reached out to a friend of mine, uh, to see if she wanted to join us back on the show. If you remember back from the last time we did a C2E2 coverage, uh, my friend Hannah, who does a lot of cosplay at these conventions, um, came on the show last, uh, C2E2. Um, I reached out to her. She was there and was very excited when I said, do you want to come back on the show? And she said, absolutely, which I loved because that was great. Um, it was always great to see uh, old friends. So um, uh, we haven't, her and I hadn't seen each other or really talked since the pandemic. So it's been a minute. Um, yeah. And to me, it was funny. She's like, what do you want to talk about on the show? And I'm like, you know what? We're really like natural with our conversation. Let's just wing it. And I thought it went really well. Like you'll, you'll hear, it's almost like we jump <laughs> back into the conversation. Uh, Peter, this was your first time meeting Hannah. So I hope that was cool. Um, no, no, it was awesome. And I'm glad you mentioned like the winging it because this was the one interview that we did that I literally felt like we could have just kept going. Like we could have just, we could have kept on recording and continued to talk about fantasy uh, TV shows and sci-fi movies and nerdy stuff and cosplay. And the conversation I thought went really naturally, but it was kind of cool because like, like you said, this is my first time meeting Hannah, but it really had that feel of like, I'm meeting somebody new, I'm making a new friend, and uh, they're really into the same stuff as me. So that was kind of my vibe with it. You know, you don't run across a lot of people in your day to day life that you can, you know, look at the finer points of Game of Thrones with, for example, or, uh, you know, talk about other sci fi and pop culture tidbits. So I thought I had a lot of fun with this interview. And again, it was one of those we could have just kept the conversation going and I thought that was awesome. So yeah, we could have, and I didn't want to take too much, too much of her time, but it's also like, why don't you come back on the show and maybe have Absolutely. Her on for a whole episode. <laughs> so, um, we'll let the audio speak for itself. Um, this was, this was about another, this was about a 20 minute thing. So you have like an hour of Zachary Levi, an hour of X-Men. So this is about a 20 minute thing. So uh, you'll hear from my friend Hannah and then, um, yeah, we'll move on. So without further ado, here we go. Hello, everybody. Um, Drew here. Peter's with me. It is C2E2 weekend. We talked last week about uh, C2E2, and we were really excited. One of the things that I look forward to a lot of times is cosplay. And if you remember from my uh, coverage last C2E2, or actually it was pre-COVID C2E2 was the last time we got a chance. Uh, my friend Hannah Adele is here. Um, we've been I've been looking forward to talking to her a while. I reached out to her. It's so gracious of her to say yes, come back on the show. So I'm really excited to have you. Hannah, welcome back. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I can't wait. Um, how is C2E2 for you so far? I know it's day one, but oh. <laughs> I, I feel like everything's weirdly off, to be completely honest. Yes. I'm like, where's DC? Where's Marvel? There's no the mm -hmm. big boots that you're used to walking into. How's it been for you so far? Yeah, it feels... It just feels different, you know? I feel like it's just 
a different world you walk into. Every time you come to C2E2, it kind of feels the same. There's always that same buzz, but there's something about it this year that's just a little bit off. I don't know if it's post-pandemic. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, wow. it's, it feels a little wobbly. <laughs> it, it does, and like I told him, we were waiting, I was talking to Peter, we were waiting in line, and we couldn't really see a lot, and then we started walking in, and I'm like, there should be a big Marvel logo yeah. in front of me. There should be yeah. a big DC logo over there. This is weird. And then we're like, well, we got to get to the Zach Levi panel. Let's go. And yeah, got to get to <laughs> And we kind of ran. So we've been in panels all morning. What has your day been like? Oh, has a little bit been? of everything. Mostly finding people. I know way too many people here, which is a great thing because people are awesome here. But at the same time, that means I am upstairs, downstairs, on the floor, in the Hyatts, back and forth, just to find people. And every year I wear heels, which is always a mistake. <laughs> you think I would learn, <laughs> but. <laughs> you know, I, when we walked when we walked over here, I actually didn't even think about what footwear you were wearing. Oh, and then it okay. makes me think about some of yeah. the other girls in cosplay I see with the full dresses. They're probably wearing tennis shoes or flip-flops or yes. something like that. <laughs> That's actually so, for when I do princess parties and I do the, prin- the princessing, uh, the, sk- the hoop skirts always last always tennis shoes, always boots, because you can't see when it's a big skirt. You think the big skirts are more important to have those heels, but not. No one will see your feet. So I'm glad you mentioned the princess party. So when we talked last time, you worked for who again? The company, just remind me, like... It's My Party Princess in Schaumburg. Um, It's a little company. We do princess parties. We do... Um, spa days. We do all this cute little stuff. We have age age ranges from 2 up to, like, 12, which is really fun. Okay, I think I actually... You looked really busy. I couldn't rush over <laughs> to you uh, because I was at a Chicago auto show and you were performing. Yes. But there was so much going on, but I was there because of my job, and I'm like, I cannot get over there to say hi. But oh, wow. it was cool. Yeah. It was nice to see you there. I was like, oh, hey, she's at the Chicago auto I show was, doing a princess. Thing. I was Elsa that week, right? You were either Elsa or Anna. It was oh one of the gosh. two. But I thought um, it was such a fun. We actually had to sing for the kids, too. So we got to be sing. We got to read some stories. We got to just hang out with them. It's so much fun. Elsa's one of my favorites to do. Right on. Um, okay, since you're mentioning that, yeah. What? Um, all right. So today you're dressed as. Today I'm Daenerys Targaryen, the mother of dragons herself. Um, and what made you pick that for today? Uh, well, one, I'm lazy. This costume is surprisingly <laughs> easy, and my outfit tomorrow is much more complicated. So uh, Daenerys is a very fun, easy one to wear because she's very flowy. Um, and you just need to have at least one day to feel like a princess, you know? Right. I already had a kid stop me thinking I was Elsa, and I just went with it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. totally. Absolutely. Ice power, here we go. Exactly. Like, you know, for, the thing. for those who are um, listening and can't see, I'm wearing the blue version of her dress. I'm wearing a Karth dress. Oh, I was honestly, when I first walked up, I was like, yes, I know that outfit, <laughs> and I just am not in my mind placing the season. <laughs> but mm-hmm. hey, you know, like the amount of outfits we saw her go through. Exactly. Um, who are you the next couple days? I'm going to be Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, tomorrow. Uh, she's one of my favorite and one of my best costumes I've ever designed, but she's never made it to a con yet, which I don't know how. That was an oversight. She was supposed to make it last year. Whole mess. So this is her first debut at C2E2, which I'm very excited about. Nice. So now you said you designed this one. Close. So I'm a what I call a Frankenstein cosplayer. I okay. find pieces and I put them together. So the bodysuit I found online. I found the patches through an Etsy company. I found the holsters at like an actual gun sh- a gun shop. I found um, the belt and I put a patch over it. And the wig I found somewhere online as well. That's a lace front. So she's 
Frankenstein together, but when I put it all together, she's actually my best costume I've ever done. I've <laughs> seen I've seen other pictures like on your Instagram, for yes. example, and they look fantastic. Thank um, you. So to be honest, I might want to hunt you down tomorrow just to at least get a picture of the costume. <laughs> please do, please um, come get me. So I will. I will. Um, it's probably the photographers making it look as good as it is, but I, I do think it's pretty impressive in real life too. I, I like <laughs> that you use the term Frankenstein a lot because I think that's actually a pretty good term. But I, that's actually I, mean, I was. What it is? You're just putting pieces yeah. together until it looks like the character. Everyone says, "Why does it look so good?" I'm like, I'm trying to look like the character but also trying to honor my own body so if the costume right. is exact to the movie but it doesn't look good on your body then what's the point you know good call i mean i feel like confidence and how you feel like how comfortable you are definitely plays into it exactly. i was actually going to ask like seamstress versus armor and prop building like uh. what's your favorite aspect of cosplay or is it mostly like found objects that you put together to make the characters you portray? Um, it's a bit of a mix. I usually, I'm very lazy when it comes to actual costume design. I do just Frankenstein things together. Yeah. I am actually learning how to sew from my friend Emily, so, uh, Emily nice. and they are amazing. Um, but that's going to be a long time down the road. So right now I'm still just kind of putting <laughs> things together. Um, but for me, the most important part of cosplaying is makeup, to be honest. I I'm a huge ma a fan of makeup. I've been a makeup artist for about six years now. I did it professionally about three years. Um, and for me, a lot of my cheats that come with the costume is I just do really good makeup and try to yeah. reshape my face to look like the characters. Uh, I'm very lucky because my face is actually very plain. Um, so I kind of have this blank slate to put anything on, which is very fun to do. I was, uh, I was an art student in college, so I definitely relate to the Halloween costume, what am I going to do? I'll just do a really cool face paint and I'll be good to go with that. So, I mean, I, I can see where you're going with that aspect. You yeah. know? Do you mess so. with prosthetics at all? Oh, I have in the past, <laughs> but not at cons. They just come off too easily. That's fair. I mean, yeah. you're sweating through all that stuff. You know, yeah. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, barely keep the wig on at this point. <laughs> oh, as of right now? Like, currently? It's, it's, it's okay. currently good. The lace is glued down in the front to make it stay flat to my head. You just have to lean your head forward exactly. the entire Exactly, just kind of pull it a little bit. <laughs> is it? And this is something I've always wondered. I've never had to... I've done my fair share of acting, like, on theater stages and stuff like that. I don't think much of it when I have the makeup on my face. But have you, like, with a wig on your head, do you ever feel weird? Like, it should... Like, it, does it ever feel unnatural? I used to when I first started. I actually okay. was very against wigs when I first started cosplaying. I would never wear a wig. If I was going to do a character, I just dyed my hair that co that color. I have been purple. I have and been now, blue. And now your hair is dead. And No, I'm kidding. Like, honestly, <laughs> honestly, yes. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it, was, it definitely is bad for your hair to change that many times. Um, so I just started kind of giving into the idea of wigs, and it turns out I was wrong, and it does look better when you do wigs, because it just seems like, it's weird that it seems more like a costume, so you think it would make the outfit look cheaper, but for some reason it just kind of brings it all together. To me, in my personal right opinion. Right okay. It's probably yeah. a, if you do wigs right, it looks amazing, and if you don't, like it might not but that's your wig true. looks very good so thank yeah. you no that's, that's very true though i did um i will say the first harley quinn i ever did the suicide su suicide suicide squad one mm -hmm. um that one was my actual hair and i would never do a wig for her again because that one is so tight to your head and it's just the piggy tails way up high uh Getting a wig that close to your head will just rip your hair out. You might as well just shave your head at that point. <laughs> All right. So we got Daenerys today, Black Widow tomorrow. Sunday is? Sunday is Tinkerbell. I work with a volunteer group called League of Enchantment where we do hospital visits, we do events, we do heart runs. 
Um, and tomorrow we're working at a Family HQ where I'm reading some stories to the kids, which is a lot of fun. So I was going to ask you how you picked your costumes yeah. this year. And like, yes, okay, Daenerys, you were like, I was being lazy today. That's totally fine. <laughs> I'm being lazy today, and she's also the absolute best. She is the absolute <laughs> best, absolutely. Um, so... But a big Targaryen kick recently. Daenerys, for sure. Oh. Mostly a hyperfixation is the reason I picked this character, because I've just been on Daenerys all month. I've just That's all that's been on my brain. Like, someone said, what are you thinking about Daenerys Targaryen? That's awesome. That's, like, <laughs> you know, it's really funny. That's what happens at, um, like, I was at a party, and I've written my fair share of scripts, and I write D&D campaigns and stuff like that, and I'm at a party, and I was kind of staring off into space, and I had a friend of mine say, what are you thinking about right now? And I'm like, what? And he's like, you seem to be spacing out or deep in thought. What do you think about? I'm like, oh, nothing. He's like, no, 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 no. What are you thinking about right now? I'm like, oh, I'm writing. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm just writing in my head. It'll be on paper later. I just, I was bored for a minute. And he's Amazing. like, you know what I mean? Like, so I totally understand. It's on your brain. It's like, that's what happens. Exactly. Um, I Now I wonder, and Black Widow, this is your first time doing this at C2E2, so you're really excited about it. Yes. I've I also worn her all the time, though, so she's one of my most comfortable costumes. She's just, she... Me and her know each other at this point. And I was going to say, <laughs> how did you pick your costumes? But I feel like you answered that. And now I wonder, because of what you do for a living, was Tinkerbell assigned to you, or did you choose that? I actually chose that one. Okay. So Tinkerbell, um, the League of Enchantment, since it's a volunteer option, mm -hmm. you can pick whatever characters you want. There's an approval sta status you have to go through. This one was approved. Um, and I just knew I needed some more princesses in my wardrobe. I have... Game of Thrones, I have Star Wars, I have any kind of superhero you can think of, but for someone who's a Disney princess, I don't own my own Disney princess do you have costumes. A, do you have a closet just for this? I My whole garage is dedicated to my oh, costumes. Oh, nice. Perfect. That's mm -hmm. awesome. And my I was, house is a little too small right now, but well, the whole I was garage. Think, I was totally thinking she's got a walk-in closet just for cosplay, but yeah, then, hey, you got your garage. whole <laughs> A walk-in garage that works. Like, hey, this is my stuff. Like, I get it. Those superhero costumes, they're pretty compact, though. You can have, like, just yes. a drawer full of morph suits, and you're good to go. <laughs> and so. I right. wish. I have yeah. the, the bulky ones. I have, like, oh. <laughs> Yelena. Yelena from Black Widow. Like, yeah. Oh, I have um, uh, that's Supergirl. A, that's another one I've seen on your Instagram, which I thought, I know you're excited about Black Widow, but I actually yes. thought your Elena costume looked better, to be completely she, honest, and I don't want to say I that by any, like, you. it She's looks so good. She's absolutely adorable. She's um, super easy to wear. She is way more easy to move in than Black Widow. Black sure. Widow's very tight, whereas Elena's is kind of a little more baggy, which is very comfortable. It. My mom said it really well. She said it sounds like it looks like an actual superhero. It looks like you're actually an agent doing this thing versus a costume like Natasha's it, which is goal. totally fair. Yeah. Um, I think there's arguments on both sides to say, yeah, the ideal idealized suit of Black Widow is really good because it's a comic book character, but also maybe add some realism too because. Right. Yeah, so I feel like they eventually balance that out, but the version I have is definitely the first Avengers movie version. So. Right. So here's the hard question. Oh God. Um, do you have dream cosplay in mind? Oh man. Like, is there something like? You and I have talked before. I've seen a bunch of your Instagram stuff. Um, but is there anything you're like, man, that's the golden ticket? Like, I, like one, could I pull that off? B, what would it take to pull it off? How do I? You know what I mean? Like, is there a dream in mind that you're just like, I really. I have, I have two, actually. Good. So right. the first one is for the princessing. I've mentioned my friend Emily's helped me learn how to sew. I want to make and design my own version of Ariel's pink dress when she first walks into the castle. Oh, right on. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be my first big project. I'm very excited for it. So it's kind of this 
little Hannah's dream, little Hannah in my brain is screaming for joy because I'm finally going to wear this dress <laughs> that I've been thinking about since I was six years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, she can push Daenerys away from the mic for a second to sure. scream that. <laughs> Ironically enough, the next one is Daenerys. Nice. So Daenerys is um, when she is in Winterfell, when she has the white coats. Oh, nice. right That's on. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. But that one is very expensive and even more expensive to fabricate. Now, so. how many friends have you tried talking into doing the body, the, the two-person dragon to follow you around? Uh, I've tried to get my two nephews and my like niece the, to be like my the, dragon. Like the, right, but like, you know, the two-person donkey costume. Like, when, oh. are you gonna, <laughs> when are you gonna get the two-person <laughs> dragon costume and you're like, hey, no, 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 you gotta be, you gotta help me out well, with this. Well, the dragons only had two legs, though, and their arms were the wings. So I don't think, true. I don't think anyone at a con is gonna question that when they see someone <laughs> try and pull that off, I'll be completely Fair honest. Enough. So I was thinking like a pair of stilts and some weird like pole mechanism that, that hoist up cool. the giant wings and stuff. Yeah. Oh my god, never thought of that. I know friends who would absolutely do that. I'm not saying their names <laughs> for their safety. Um, <laughs> you just have to drop like a couple grand in this amazing costume for them to do it first, right? Exactly. Yeah, grab the nieces oh and nephews for sure. Yes, I want to grab um, the nieces and nephews to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Make them run around me. All right, so let's talk about what you've been doing. Like, oh. okay, yes, you work, <laughs> but what are we looking like? What have you been consuming? Like, I love asking people, what are they watching? What are they reading? Are you, like, consuming The Last of Us and falling down that rabbit hole with oh us? Are you, gosh. like, or are you, like, you know what? I'm totally on Targaryens right now, and I've just binge <laughs> I just keep re-watching House <laughs> of the Dragon. Like, you know what I mean? So, so my, my media right now, I definitely did watch The Last of Us. I cried at episode three, like everyone else. Who me didn't and, cry at episode three? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> me and my fiancé were just holding each other, bawling our eyes out. Like, we love you so much. <laughs> it was... Amazing. Um, so that was, I am personally a Joel apologist. Just going to say it. Don't want to get oh, into no, it. I'm on team Joel. Thank too, you. Yeah. Okay. Well, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even, oh, it wasn't 100% that Ellie would, they would be able to produce a cure from it. So it's like if the killing her If the science was there, on, that's on a different 100%. conversation. Yeah, you know? exactly. There was exactly, no actual yeah. science behind so. it. It was not, mm -hmm. I don't blame him at all. That's what a dad's yep, supposed absolutely, to do. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything else? Are you um, reading anything? Are you like, are you diving into comics? Or are you like? Oh, so ironically enough, I wanted to point this out. Uh, you mentioned I like House of the Dragon. I actually haven't watched House of the Dragon. What? I know, I know. But the funny Whoa. thing is, I really want to. But at this point, I like the way I've consumed it better because my Instagram feed, because of all the Daenerys stuff, thinks I really like House of the Dragon. So I have learned about House of the Dragon like it's being gossiped to me. It's Which just, is oh my god, she's sleeping with her uncle. Nah. It's like, she's what? Oh my god, her best friend married her dad. I like that. No I way. Like that. It, it feels like I'm being gossiped to about the Targaryens, and it's kind I, of more fun to consume it that way than to consume the actual media. There's a sense of, like, cosplay, too, where there's, like, I know cosplay stands for costume play, but in my mind, I used to think it stood for costume role play. And like that role play element, that sort of live the art, and I think that's really cool that you can... Uh, <laughs> consume a show through gossip like you're actually one of the characters in the yes, show. Like that's really like interesting. You're in you know? King's Landing, you're just hearing the stuff happening, mm -hmm. you know? It's quite that's an interesting really cool. way to hear it. So I've, I do really want to watch it because I know it is <laughs> really know, good. You know, you're in from King's Landing, seen. you're checking your Instagram, you're getting the latest buzz. <laughs> right? So as as you do in looks, King's Landing. It looks great. Oh, uh, damn, I, I need a charging point. My <laughs> phone's running out right I'll, I'll be honest, since you haven't watched it, I found the first episode difficult to watch, but it was more on a level of uncomfortability than mm -hmm. anything else. There's very something that's kind of jarring in that yes. first episode that you're like, holy hell, they're doing this? Okay, I'm in. Like, I'm in. I'm here. But, and then they kind of, there's a couple spots like that that I'm like, woof. All right, like, we're... 
we're doing this. All yeah. right. Like, you know, but Game of Thrones has never not shocked us. It's yeah. never not put us in the seat. So I can't argue. And I just love every bit of it. I want it's a universe. And I've said this on the show several times. And Peter's probably tired of me saying this, but it's a universe I constantly want more of. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm like, oh, more cool. Let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. Um. You still uh, Star Trek over Star Wars? Oh my gosh, I I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, you're like you fell I in love like with Baby Yoda like the rest of us. I'm I know. Team Switzerland. I love them both equally. I just think that the I lean towards Star Trek because I like the fandom better than I do the Star Wars fandom. You know, I feel like lately that's been how everything is. And yeah. Like we were, I was trying to tell, I was talking to someone about this recently about how the internet has really messed up my Star Wars fandom. They really did. And they really have like, look man, I like all of it. I really do. When you're truly in love with something, you like everything for the good, you like everything for the bad, like you're not going to like, yeah, whatever. Jar Jar Binks bothered me the first time I saw the movie. He came not back now. with it. I know he did. I loved I, that. And good for Ahmed Best. It was awesome so seeing him there. But I'm also like, like, what was it? We were in uh, the panel this morning, and the guy said, hey, you're in a room of people of like minds, and you can have these fun conversations. Yeah. So if you want to have a conversation about how Episode Eight is the best Star Wars movie, and there were some laughs in the audience, he goes, you laugh, but you can have that conversation here. <laughs> yeah. like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right? And I liked Episode Eight, So you know what? I don't like well, you know, it. Any- it made it to my top five when we did that list. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I will never <laughs> complain about a movie with Oscar Isaac in it. Oh, there you <laughs> go. All never right. complain. Fair enough. He Fair was, enough very pretty in that one. Right on, right on. <laughs> um, all right, so what's the rest of the con look like for you? Just a nice, busy, like, oh. shoot schedule, or you yeah. got, like... I've got, actually, surprising, not too much. I've got a couple shoots. Uh, I have the working with the volunteer group uh, panel, and I have the A Family HQ story time. But besides that, mostly just meeting up friends. This year, I, ha- I could have done a lot more. It just kind of, since this is the first one back, really, that's yeah, I know. really back. Uh, I just really wanted to enjoy it. I just wanted it, to actually be able to take yeah. a breather, see it's what they really, have. It's really cool being at a big con again and yeah. just being able to take a step back and enjoy what you're at. Because well, the first one back after COVID, granted, I was yeah. like, I don't know if I'm ready for a count. big crowd. It doesn't count. That did not count. And, then the, and then the next one was just a bad weekend for me. So you, did you come to that, I think, 21? Yes. Or mm-hmm. 22 or whatever it was? Uh, like, I think I was too busy being terrified. I was still definitely a uh, hypochondriac about it all still. Oh, so I was yeah. Like yeah, on it was, edge just, the it, whole was time. it was weird. So I was like, yeah, that's why I was like, you know what? This is my first one back. Welcome home. I'm glad I'm here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, Hannah, I'm going to wrap this up if that's all right with you. Not a problem. Um, but I'm so glad you were took the time yeah, out of your busy schedule and all that stuff. Thank you so and, much um, for having me. Um, by all means, I would love to have you back on the show. And I'm going to say this, and I think Peter is okay with me saying this, but open spot at the table. Oh, so even if you want to yeah. Skype in oh, and yeah. join That's us, awesome. we can be in touch and we can work something out. I'd love to have you on. So yeah, if you can talk about Game of Thrones, we can talk about yeah. Star Wars, right. we can talk about Star Trek. I want to do another cosplay episode, but we've already done a couple. But maybe we could revisit like Dream Cosplay playlist. That'd be fun. Yeah. Like that, yeah. All right, very cool. Well, Hannah, as always, thank you so much for coming. Um, and we'll be in touch. Thanks. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> right. Um, so that was such a great interview. It was such a great time to have her back on the show. Um, Hannah, I know you're listening. So um, by all means, there is an open seat at this table anytime you want to join us. Um, so please come back, join us, do a full episode, stick around. Um, and since you are listening, Peter and I were talking, we might have a topic or two that might be really fun to have you on the show for. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, so yeah, that being said, we, uh, let Hannah get back to her, uh, cosplay for the day 
and uh, go and take pictures with the people. And Peter and I went back to the floor and decided to just explore and wander and see what other treasures and trinkets we can find. Um, we did, um, there was this one really cool alien thing. Right. Uh, and I feel bad that we didn't like pull up the microphone and talk to this guy a little bit longer. Um, but it's, they, there were these props that, I wasn't sure if there were props or statues when we walked up. It's basically like they had these statues. One looked like a queen xenomorph from the film Aliens. Yeah. And then it looked like he had like one of the, it wasn't a, it wasn't a direct xenomorph, like a worker. Cause like they kind of follow that hive mentality. So you never really know. Like, so like, I guess the worker class of the xenomorph. Right. Species. Um, it wasn't really like that. It looked like it was maybe a smaller version of the queen. I'm not really sure, but we kind of walked up and we're like, is this like a special effects studio? This is more than just a uh, prop or like a statue. Turns out this guy is making an independent aliens film because he's tired of waiting on the studios to finally do one, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I thought was awesome and good on him for one, doing a thing you like to do. Secondly, like I want to see that. Let's go do that. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I loved talking to this guy and looking at his stuff because I like I mean, anybody who listens to the show knows that like I love horror movies and especially more like the monster movie creature feature type stuff. I'm super into special effects artists and uh, makeup artists and stuff. And I love seeing people make creatures and monsters and make your like science fiction nightmares come to life, so to speak. And this guy was kind of just a dude who was really passionate about the aliens franchise and was like, I see what you're putting out as far as movies go, but I think I can do better. And he kind of just started making xenomorphs in his garage and stuff. And he is just making, he's making like a fan film and putting it out there. And he had a massive booth at C2E2. Um, he had like a TV going with slot with a slideshow that showed different, um, different like pictures of him working in his garage making these xenomorphs and he was talking about how he wanted to make in his film he wants to include aliens that are very akin to the old school aliens action figures and if you know that old like 90s action figure line you know they have stuff like the bull alien um like the uh the potential could have been alien from aliens three. Um, also like they had a gorilla alien and stuff and he wanted to explore those roads. Like he wanted to explore if xenomorphs infect and hatch out of different animals, let's see those xenomorphs on the big screen. And it's funny drew, cause I'm just trying to bring this back around to how you were talking about. There was a really huge, queen looking xenomorph and then next to it there was another xenomorph but it did look a little bit bigger than your typical human infected and hatched xenomorph that we're used to from the movies and it makes me wonder like is that a is that a prosthetic a practical effect however you want to categorize it is that an, a xenomorph that hatched out of a bigger creature than a human you know there's a lot of questions i had but I was really psyched talking to this guy because he was obviously super passionate, really cool. Um, it, like his project was really awesome and kind of just, um, I don't know, it's really inspiring to see what he's doing and like the professional level of what he was pulling off, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and the instead of it being like a like statuesque perfect xenomorph statues, I guess. It yeah. Brand, they looked like they were more functional for yep. like when you yeah. get them wet and then have to make a move on camera and stuff. Um. So yeah, it just they looked great and um. Yeah, I kind of wish we sh- we should have, and I, that's the one thing I wish we would have gone back, pulled the microphones, and said, "Let's talk about this a little bit more." Um, so unfortunately, you have to get our take our word for it. Um, but we did go wandering through the floor some more. We found a lot of other cool stuff. Questioned if we should go to the maid cafe. Um, <laughs> decided not to. <laughs> um, tried to take a couple uh, celebrity sightings walking past the. Uh, um, autograph station got to see Kristen Couric from Smallville she uh she looks exactly about the size that I expected to a lot of times when you see celebrities they're shorter than you expected to or they're taller than you expected because you know the camera gives you that um perspective different uh yeah uh let's see what else did we run into on the floor in terms of looking around well I mean I could move into our last interview sure. if you want okay so sure. We were watching kind of where I was trying to get to, but <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so we we're wandering around the floor. And uh, again, Drew was talking about these celebrities and there's one celebrity that we knew was going to be there. Um, and I didn't know that we were going to run into him. I didn't know he was going to be so easily accessible, but we ended up running into Ming Chen and he was not where the rest of the celebrities were. He was kind of connected to a comic book vendor like one of the comic vendors or comic shops that was on the floor had a little corner that was dedicated to ming chen of comic book men as well as uh his appearances in the kevin smith films and uh, he was signing autographs and meeting people and um one thing i was going to say because we were just talking about our interview with hannah and i feel like it just the the interview with her, as well as the other friends and people that we ended up talking to this weekend, as well as just being at a big con again. Like, this is the first con I've been to at this scale since COVID. Like, I've been to smaller events. Like, I mentioned in the past, I went to Smallville Superfest in Plano, Illinois, but that's a much smaller event. Like, this is a big scale thing. And it really felt like it was coming home and you're meeting new people and seeing new faces. But sometimes you have to see old friends. And that's how, <laughs> that's how it felt with meeting Ming Chen here for me, because I've met Ming at a at one or two conventions in the past. I'm sure he has no idea who I was, but it's one of those things where we approached him and talked to him. And Drew, you mentioned like, oh, by the way, you know, this is uh, me and my brother Peter and we do this podcast the top five report and Ming was just like well do you want to record something right now <laughs> and we're like yeah he's literally yeah, like give mic he's like give microphones <laughs> let's do something right now like <laughs> and this was like uh I'm not gonna bury the lead this was the highlight of my weekend I loved this interview it really felt like talking with an old friend like I've met, I met I said I've met him before but it's more one of those things where I've seen comic book men enough times i'm so familiar with kevin smith's movies that just talking to him felt so natural and i felt like we just had so much fun in this interview um that this was just like such a high point for me out of the weekend so drew i don't know if you have any thoughts before we go into this but uh, it was a blast talking to ming he was really gracious really welcoming and i like i would like to speak for our podcast we appreciate how 
cool and approachable and down to earth he was when we actually got a chance to talk to him, you know? Well, I've met him before and it was a very impassing meeting when we first started the podcast. Yeah. And it was so, what I really enjoyed about this, um, uh, I guess you could say meeting was that I, I was like, Hey, I just wanted to say, Hey, we're still going strong. That kind of thing. You know, thanks for like being a little bit of an inspiration, you know? And yeah, you got mics on you. Let's do something right now. And I'm thinking to myself, if I can come back in an hour if you're busy. He's like, no, let's do it right now. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I think, uh, I think what he said was he's like, no, let's do it right now. I love podcasting. And I thought that I was really cool, too. Like, he's just like, I'm always down to record something. Like, are you kidding me? And that right. was just amazing. So it was a, it was great. We got a little bit of uh, Clerks 3 Nuggets, which I didn't um, Clerks 3 and I think Clerks 2 Nuggets that uh, I don't think uh, we originally uh, um, have heard before. And I know Kevin likes to talk a lot, but, you know, he I don't think this is a story I've ever heard. So I was kind of nice to have a little bit from him. Um, so, yeah, I'd say we'll, a couple dogma nuggets as well. There's a yeah, couple yeah, dogma yeah, nuggets yeah, yeah, in yeah. there, too. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, here's, um, here's Ming Chen. Hello, everybody. We're here with uh, Ming Chen from Comic Book Man. Um, how are you? How's the con treating you? I mean, it's day one, but... I'm doing great. The con is amazing. I love C2E2, like, way, way more than I should. I love the city <laughs> of Chicago. I swear, like, something magic always happens every time I come to C2E2 in Chicago. And it's just, it's been a pretty amazing, like, not even, like, 24 hours so far. It's so... like, yeah... So since Comic Book Men has ended, yeah. like on television, and ended because I mean him and I rewatch on occasion. Thank you. It's, yeah. yeah, it's actually I enjoy watching it more without the commercial breaks. Oh yeah, I'm like it's so much better of a show. When <laughs> it you flows take better. Yeah, it, it yeah. flows better. Um, have you guys like how's the store doing? Are you guys still like? We're still going on. So the store's doing great. Uh, during the pandemic, we had to move it one block south. So oh, really? still in the same town, okay. same street bigger space oh nice That's and it's good. pretty cool because kevin got like a blank canvas to do whatever he wanted this okay. time again oh yeah yeah I mean, it's kevin smith you open the door yeah. like <laughs> so this is kind of like if, drop, if, yeah. if the store was like iron man harbor this would be like sacred stash like mark three right, 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 and right. uh it's pretty cool so and he has the iron bob outfit like bursting out of the wall so there's oh, an iron man reference that's awesome um when he shot clerks two uh, if anybody saw that the beginning of the movie starts with the store on fire yeah, 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 yeah. So they had to kind of burn up a version of the so the quick stop sign. So what Kevin did was like, hey, if you give me the old sign, the sign that was up when I shot the first clerks, I'll buy your brand new one. And of course, the store owner's like, yeah, of course. You know, so this is where Kevin is, he's known for talking, right? Yes. But I feel like we should be talking to this guy for some of the behind the scenes stuff oh, yeah. that Kevin doesn't That's get why. out of the. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he took the old sign, he, they, it's in the back of the store now, and they built the facade of the quick stop on the back wall with the rolling shutters and the door. Sure, it looks sure. great. It's well, really I was, awesome. I was going to ask, because you're like, obviously you have a ton of cameos in Kevin's movies. Like there's the strip club scene in Dogma. Yes. I saw you even in uh, Clerks 3, right? Yes. What's been your favorite cameo? In oh, movie? The, the, That's a great that. question. I mean, listen, playing hockey on the roof of the quick stout, trash talking Dante and Randall. Um, really beat Selma Hayek? No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, let me think. No, absolutely not. Very close second. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I got to bring no, up the yeah. Clerks 3 because, you know, 26 years ago, I'm watching this black and white movie on VHS. I see a scene where a bunch of kids are playing hockey on a rooftop, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. What that's a cool awesome. scene. I fall madly in love with the movie. And then, you know, 20-some-odd years later, I'm on that rooftop with those guys. Absolutely. You know, you know, from fan to, like, hockey player on the rooftop, that's pretty cool. 
not gonna lie. However, sitting in a in a dirty strip club in Pittsburgh, next to Jane Sound Bob, watching Selma Hayek take her clothes off and Chris Rock like passing <laughs> right. by me, patting me on the head and going that like nothing can ever beat that. That's awesome. Nothing That's can awesome. ever beat right. that. Right. Do you ever get a chance to get back to the store? Do you work at it? Oh yeah, no. Okay. So I don't work there full time anymore. But I started a business yeah, yeah, yeah. located two blocks from the store called the Shared Universe. Yeah, it's a podcast studio. It's a recording studio, but exclusively for podcasting. And uh, yeah, we help people record and launch podcasts down there. So, so yeah, so I go back a and forth. Vacation to New Jersey. Yes. Could we? Like, can you do walk-in? Yes, like, you can absolutely oh, right. awesome. record there. I will jump in with you guys. Oh, hell yeah. We'll get video, awesome. we get really great audio, and we can talk about whatever we want and, and record an episode. Yes. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. So. Are there any, like, new podcasts, like, you're really excited about that are, like... We have a couple. I mean, one... Like, uh, we have a couple ongoing ones that have been going, like, consistently weekly. One's called American Loser that focuses okay. on the losers of American history. All right. Like, uh-huh. everyone wants to talk about, like, George Washington, Abe sure. Lincoln, <laughs> like, you know, Harriet Tubman. And they're yeah, great. Yeah. They're awesome. They did a lot of good. What happened to all the ones that failed miserably? Typhoid Mary. Right. Uh, right. Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. Yeah, uh, nice. Benedict Arnold. There are, like, so many characters in American history that either failed miserably or failed upwards to the point where they became... Like leaders. What's the name of the show? American Loser. American Loser. Yes. All right. I have a friend of mine who would absolutely love. It's amazing. This. It's um, amazing. Uh, what was I just gonna? Man, I'm I, I had two blank. more questions. Yeah, of course. So you say something magic happens every yeah. time you're in Chicago. Yes. Anything magic happened yet this weekend for you? Uh, this weekend I'm trying to think. It is um, day one. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> uh, you guys are from Chicago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this isn't magic, but I drank five shots of Malort yesterday. Oh, Ooh. That, that's... Malort is magic every yeah. time. Yeah. So <laughs> I... So Malort, which you guys know, is one of the yeah, worst yeah, yeah. tasting things in the yeah. world. But we've kind of made, made it a thing amongst podcasters. I'm trying to get them to market to podcasters wherein every podcast in the world should have a bottle of Malort to to punish, to celebrate, to, you know, to initiate, whatever. I love it. Yeah. So uh, we do it. I have my friends in Albuquerque. Uh, They have a podcast called Tendering Minimum. They, They have it. We drink it together. We celebrate with it. And it's gotten to the point where I contacted them once when I came here last time. I was like, hey, can I come by the factory? I just want to see where the magic happens. <laughs> and they'd see me like post so many stories. Yeah. Like, so listen, good. we don't really have a, a tour here, but come stop by. Let's hang <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's so, ever asked for it. Before. I guess so. Yeah. Like, why would you, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, we've become fantastic. very good friends for sure. That's awesome. That's so fantastic. that was quite good. I went to the Malort factory yesterday. I went up to Wrigley for a couple of innings. It was opening day. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I drank, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I ate at Chinatown. I drank at a dive bar. That was just day oh, one. That's so, like a great Chicago. Yeah, day. so we're yeah, gonna yeah. tear it up for sure. But my, like all my friends are here. You guys came to podcast. Like that's yeah, magical. Yeah. That's exactly, and it's like we, it's every con. I'm like, dude, you want to go do it? Like, yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, well, sure. hey. Oh, I was gonna have. I had one other question. Sure. So tomorrow night there's yes. a cosplay contest. Yes. What are the chances you're gonna be on stage in the Price Might outfit? Oh no, <laughs> yeah. No, no chance. I'm just, I'm just kidding. One day I might bring that back yeah. though. That's like kind of I, that's kind of the one and only costume I'm kind of known for. Yeah. Besides uh, the dressing up as Sue Storm in a wedding because oh, right, I lost right. a bet. There's a lot of those classic. Or the orange speedo, kind of like that's yeah. not really a superhero. But I think Price might. I might have to bring him to a con yeah. once. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Be legendary, so funny so. story about that Price might sure. kind of behind the <laughs> scenes. 
So, you know, they, they put me in it, and if you watch the clip, I don't have a shirt. And they start coming over, they rush over with this double-sided tape, like, oh, oh, we gotta cover your nipples. Right, right. I'm like, why? Like, oh, the network made a note, like, no nipples on Comic Book Man. I'm like, okay, they're, they're male <laughs> nipples, you guys, but... You guys came after Walking Dead. Right. the most violent, gory yeah, stuff like I've ever seen on the neck. Screen. One guy, like, like literally bites the guy's neck off. Yeah. Like, blood everywhere. Like, people stabbing each other in the back of the head. I'm pretty sure there was a shirtless zombie or something. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? No like, nipples on Comic Book that Man. That is hilarious. That's no insane. nipples. Wow. So, yeah. All right. That's your inside scoop, ladies and gentlemen. Well, hey, Ming, it was an absolute... Yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you no, for your time. Absolutely. 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 So, yeah, thank you very much. I love it. Yep. Well, uh, there you have it. Um, that was Ming Chen from Comic Book Men. Um, I thought it went really great. It was just very... Uh, it, it felt really natural in the sense that um, I wasn't expecting it to be that natural of a conversation. Yeah. I mean, yes, one, he's a professional. Two, he knows how to do the podcasting thing. But... Peter and I have been doing this for five years, so I think our con- our knowledge of how to handle a conversation like that worked really, really well with him, and it just kind of, I thought it was a nice, good split, if you will. Absolutely, um, and, and I did I did leave feeling like we had an open invite to a shared universe, which is Ming's uh, podcast studio out in New Jersey that's open to the public, like you can go in and pay for recording time if you don't have your... Uh, your own podcast equipment. So I think that's pretty cool. Drew, we've got to do press at like a New Jersey Comic-Con and then stop into a shared universe <laughs> for a yep. day or something like that. I think that's the plan from here. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to do that. Well, how about yeah. this, Peter? We've They've listened to us. They've listened to them. Um, they have a ton more audio coming tomorrow. Yes. So why don't we toss this episode in the can and uh, we'll... Um, we'll set up for the next episode i guess right uh, on so everyone do us all a favor check out our website top five there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with the link to our email top five report at gmail.com um you can interact with the show there hit us on our social media either way works um we are on um apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, google play stitcher amazon audible you can subscribe to us in those places if you do you will not miss a single episode you can also leave us a review we love those five stars we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I will be explaining how I always win at Warcraft because my peons are armed with Fix-It Felix hammers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night.